guys, it's me, Layla, your host, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Ample Cause, our justification and uh, Hamlet Island. Well, I just want to start off talking about some things that have been on my heart that God's been giving me, um, been teaching me and just giving, giving um, a little bit more weight on my heart about, and that's just um, putting things in front of him or making idols out of things or maybe even spending more time um, on other things than we should with God. And I think that's just kind of a struggle and a temptation sometimes when we put um, maybe video games or TV or um, electronics. I know my kids have a big, um, you know, obsession with uh, electronics and things like that um, that are kind of um, addicting now. There's um, YouTube and TikTok and all these things that, you know, offer a few seconds of instant you know, stimulation, and so it gets addicting, and just how sometimes we can put um, those things above God, and above our time with God, and how, you know, well, God does give us good gifts, and he does give us talents, and treasures, and um, spiritual gifts, you know, what are we doing with those, and how are we doing um, what God calls us to do with those, are we misusing them, are we abusing them, and so one thing that, um, you know, he keeps showing me back in scripture is Solomon was given great wisdom, you know, and that was what he asked for. And God, you know, valued that he asked for that. He didn't ask for money or riches or fame or life of his enemies or, you know, even long life for himself, but he asked for wisdom and discernment on how to govern his people. And God was pleased to give him that. And, you know, he knew that Solomon would be faithful with that. And he knew that Solomon, um, would, be a, a good steward of that gift that he gave him. And so um, God, you know, gives us these these gifts sometimes and these treasures and he asks us, asks us to be good stewards of them and asks us to be um, wise with them and to um, not misuse them or to not um, be foolish with how we handle them. And so sometimes that also involves standing up for what is right and standing up for what is, is good and true in God's eyes and in the world. So always knowing um what does God say is right and true and taking a stand for that and pushing back against evil and I think that was part of the wisdom that God gave Solomon is to help him discern and help him to know how to uh lead these people and judge these people because what does God say you know because everyone has their own opinion on what is right and what is wrong and what should be done and he had to go to God to get God's discernment on that and God's wisdom and I think that's um, important. We have gifts today, too. And how are we using them? And are we misusing them? Are we applying them faithfully um, like God chose, chose us to do? And we see that Jesus, you know, is a perfect example of that he always um knew what to do and he always um trusted the father and relied on prayer and he was tempted in every way but never actually acted on those and he's you know our big brother and he's able to help us too when we call on him and when we ask him to help us in our weaknesses and we ask him to help us maybe with um sin or temptations to sin or sometimes even you know standing up for what is right or standing up for what is um, truth or doing the right thing sometimes and 
it's easy to go along with the crowd and it's easy to um, go along with popular demand and it's easy to do it because everyone else is doing it and sometimes we need strength we need to call on the Lord to help us um, not go along with that sometimes and to um, make uh, better decisions um, even though we might be the only one even though um, we might not have um, you know anyone there to um, support us in those moments God you know will reward you for doing the right thing and it might you know help other people to take a stand against wrong too and they might um, be like you know what you're right this is wrong I'm going to take a stand too and it might you know start other people to see what God um, what his standards are and what the standards for right and wrong are and I think um, you know just trusting God to take care of you sometimes and trusting God in his um, his care for you and and answering your prayers as well and you know so many times we forget that it's just such a great honor to be in the household of God it's such a great honor to be in, in God's family and in his kingdom and what does that really mean I think you know we take for granted that you know we are a royal priesthood and we are um, a chosen people and so not that we walk around thinking we're better than everyone else I think sometimes Christians get that um that backlash of you know like oh you think you're better because you know you have God or something and it's kind of like well no but we have Christ as our big brother and we have this um help from the Holy Spirit and we have you know God as our father and so in a sense there's this um help that we have that is supernatural in these times that I think we take for granted a lot and we don't utilize that in prayer we don't utilize that in our walk and we think that we just got to rely on our flesh and our willpower sometimes to overcome these things and he really wants us to call on him and to um, turn to him for help and to rely on um, the Holy Spirit's power to grow you to transform you to mold you like Christ because without it we don't really have the power to change ourselves or to grow ourselves or to mature ourselves or to put off sin ourselves and we don't even have the the taste for it you know we don't even want to so it really depends on the spirit's um work and help in you and through you and you're yielding to that and you're aligning your will with that and wanting that too and i think that's when you know the most change happens and the most um effective growth and change happens and um, I think just being um, in God's family, that's kind of the the extra um, oomph that we get. You know, we have that Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit and his, his work and his um, power to um, change us and transform us. And, you know, Jesus being our big brother, you know, tempted in every way, was able to overcome that as well. And he often, you know, went off and prayed and relied on the Holy Spirit and um, aligned his will with, with the Father as many times. And so sometimes I think just being this royal priesthood and this child of God and in God's family, you know, it's a better um, bond than any physical family could ever give and a better bond than any blood family. And that's because we do have this this common thread, this spirit that unites us all and this unity of the spirit that kind of um, ties us all together that a human, you know, blood family doesn't have necessarily all the time and so that's why a spiritual family is more important and why 
um, being part of God's family is actually, you know, Jesus says, who's my mother and my brother, you know, so that do my father's will. It's essentially like, you know, your spiritual family is more important than even your blood family because you have that unique um, bondage of the spirit and that unique um, gift that will go all the way into eternity and will go past this life and it's something that you know transcends this world and goes on forever and so you know it's a great um great gift and great unifying thing and it kind of um breaks all barriers and transcends all all time all you know places all um history even all time and um boundaries that were made in place and you know a lot of times religions are based on your region or you know your heritage or where you're born or what time period you came into the world and you know and that's kind of like the religion you took on but you know Christianity transcends all that it's like it unites people from all um walks you know it's not just because you're born in this area or born in that area or all time periods you know it doesn't matter if um you know you're born hundreds of years ago or even you know in the future because God's plan for salvation was always the same it was always by faith and it's just a lasting um a lasting a family that transcends any any um place you could ever be born into or any region or any boundary that man sat you know set up or maybe even that just was naturally there you know God says that he places nations and and boundaries and time and all these things for a reason but um the gospel and, and the foot of Christ kind of equalizes all those things for everyone and gives everyone um this equal footing um before Christ because he is you know the cornerstone and he's the one that um unites us all and so we see that the spiritual family is um not just a legacy here on earth but one that's into all eternity and just be mindful of that in our daily walk because so many things can distract us and so many worldly things can um pull for our time and our attention and we want to make sure that we are building lasting eternal legacies and lives and things that are gonna um be here you know 50 years from now like is your legacy gonna be remembered and if so is it you know because you did something good or you did something evil I mean like Herod in the Bible you know we still read about him today and his legacy isn't a good one you know it's because he was a pretty evil guy and pretty pretty mean you know but it's kind of like why not build a legacy that's eternal and why not build a legacy that's gonna last and one that's gonna go all the way into eternity and um transcend you know some of these barriers that were placed and so it's just um a great reminder of God's kindness to us and God's love for us and when we receive that you know and how um you know the love that Christians that's how he says you know that's how you'll know um Christians the Christians that's the love they'll have for each other and I think that's what he's talking about there because there's a lot of brotherhoods there's a lot of sisterhoods there's a lot of fan clubs there's a lot of things that can you know unite people together and bring people together and we see like 
you know, birds of a feather flock together, right? The cliche goes. And you kind of stick with your own group or people that have your common interests or your own kind or, you know, different religion pockets kind of stick with different pockets of their religion. And so, you know, it's kind of like a natural part, I think, of humans to want to stick with what is like them and what they believe in or what they like and, you know, kind of form um, these groups like that. But, you know, God's kindness to choose us while we were still enemies of him and to um, include us into his family, you know, and just his love and kindness for us in those areas is just uh, our example of how not only are we um, unified as a Christian body um, with the Spirit's power, it's different than, you know, other sects or groups or fan clubs or religions or, you know, just people of a certain type being together because we have that unity of the Spirit and it's a supernatural um, help and a supernatural um, presence and a supernatural um, power that he's just always with us and bonds us together and unites us together and it's kind of like we can lay aside all differences as Christians because of that unifying factor you know it's like a Christian from you know Iran can bond with a Christian in in America because that common unity of the spirit it kind of breaks those barriers and you're you're with me now you're in my family you have this commonality with me that transcends you know this place this region that transcends this this time period that transcends this family that transcends any blood you know that we were given and it's kind of like the spirit kind of breaks down those barriers and it's kind of a new family it's a new bondage that God gives people to Christians to um, have an experience and it um, unites them and it goes beyond any um, any other religion or any other um, social group or any club that you know commonalities are formed because of the supernatural bond that he um, unites in us and gives us and so I just kind of um I'm glad for that. I'm glad that he can, you know, help us in all these moments of weakness and all these moments that, you know, we can call on him and he's always there and open to hear our prayers. And if we keep our eyes on him, you know, we, we do have doubts in the faith. Obviously no one's completely perfect. And sometimes it's hard to know. Um, and except by faith, what we should do next or you know to trust God in these moments or you know to um walk take the next step and like Peter walking on the water you know as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus he began to sink and it's like we gotta keep our eyes on Jesus as we walk because if we get distracted and we start looking around or we start focusing on something else we'll start you know having doubts and we'll start sinking too and it's important to always make sure that, you know, we have our gaze fixed on him and that, you know, he is um, the main center of our focal point and not to lose sight of that because sometimes we have, you know, waves and waves of problems and all kinds of um, trials and, and temptations and, you know, hardships in this life that come our way and it's easy to 
doubt God's goodness. It's easy to doubt God cares. It's easy to doubt God will, you know, be there. And as soon as you start taking your eyes and your focus off him, and as soon as you start, you know, doubting, it's like a big... um, a big stumble (laughs) into the water you gotta keep you know your focus on him and keep your faith on him and keep walking and taking the next step and not let the the things of the world and the doubts and the trials and these um, things distract you and while God welcomes our doubts and we all have you know our moments of weakness we are you know human he tells us to bring them to him and to to ask him and to pray about them to question him and to call out to him and to cry out to him and you know we see that throughout history in the bible with um all all of his um you know people that he encouraged by faith to to walk to take a step in faith you know they had doubts and they messed up many times and god had to keep um you know realigning their focus and re realign their gaze and telling them you know don't look at you (laughs) you'll fail yourself don't look at you know the person next to you and you know keep your eye on me and don't look at the world around you and I think you know so many times in my own case I look at myself or my own inadequacies or my own um failures or my own you know efforts to not get things right the first time and then you know that just pulls you into a sea of more doubt and more doubt and more doubt and then you just kind of give up altogether and just you know distrust God in those areas where he you know affirmed your faith before and so I know sometimes I need to get my gaze back on God and back on Christ and what um his plans are and what his will is and you know not um so much on my myself or my own um, inadequacies and to you know keep walking and taking the next step and not to be um not to be so heavily minded you're no earthly good as they say you know like you don't want to be in the clouds that you're not aware of anything that's going on in earth on earth because you know we are in this world just not of it but you know to not reminisce in the past and not wishing things were a different way or to not you know keep um you know thinking about things that happened already in the past that you know god already you know took care of you can't change things or you know you can't um go back in time and stuff you gotta trust god that he uses those things to shape and mold you and build your character and to um, test you and test your faith and grow you and to call you to him and to um, learn from them you know so we remember them in a way to to grow and to learn and to mold our characters from them but we don't get stuck on them and we don't stay there in those moments and we don't dwell in those you know and it's good to remember God's goodness and his faithfulness remember the Israelites after bondage you know he told them like um these bitter herbs you know that's going to remind you of the bitterness of this bondage and and the things you went through and I think um Hebrews today still practice you know that um even even that um um during Hanukkah and stuff so it's just kind of like a remembrance of like yeah you remember um some things but you don't want to remember them for the wrong reason remember them because God got you through and remember them because God's goodness was there remember them because 
God, you're supposed to form you and to mold you. Remember them because God got you through that. Remember them because God, um, you know, got you to this place now. And so we don't want to get stuck in some of that bitterness because that will leave you bitter and, and resentful. And then not to, like, you know, be so in the clouds and, like, you know, worried about... Um, eternity in heaven like we're still here on earth and we still have jobs and work to do here on earth and to just um you know while we it's wise to plan all ahead and to plan you know for future things and to um, prepare in ways but to also know that today is a gift and today is um present and to um, not waste today because you're so worried about planning for tomorrow but to you know take today um as it is and to live in the moment and in the present and see what God has um, in store for you today and to not waste a day because you're so worried about planning for the future. Um, I think um, it's also important, you know, that um, devoting yourself to um, these spiritual things and maybe not so much worldly things and how God calls you to uh, learn learn scripture, learn, you know, his ways, learn what, what he likes and what he doesn't like, and learn the Bible and to be able to share those with other people as well and to um, admonish those that, um, that help you learn, those that teach you and those that are um, workers in the church and those that um, have this calling from God and these spiritual callings, you know, to be these spiritual leaders and to um just honor them in their work and how hard it is because spiritual work is um an extra an extra hardship you know you are accountable before god in, in extra ways and so um being mindful of um all those callings that god has the people around you and um and even in your own life and the dedication to some of these things that might not um, seem um, to pay off in the world in the worldly ways that other voca- that other jobs may do or that other worldly um, commitments might reward you in our spiritual work sometimes we have to wait to to reap in our spiritual work sometimes we don't see any you know reward right away or any um, um, any fruit um, right away and sometimes it just takes time for all that to ripen um I also think it's important to know that like God can use anyone right where they're at and even you know my kids oftentimes I learn so much from them he you know uses even little kids to um, do his work through and so there's no special you know age or, or you know spiritual ability that God needs you to be at before he can start using you for your work for his work and his kingdom purposes and I know myself I'm not very um, eloquent in speech I'm not very um, creative in my um, I'm kind of um, just you know natural and real about um, things and so I'm not very um eloquent or creative and I know Jesus kind of used um, simple everyday things to explain you know spiritual concepts to people and 
use like what they're used to and what they knew to try and um, explain his spiritual truths to people. And so I think sometimes, you know, just knowing that God understands um, all our, um, where we're coming from and he know he just wants to relate to us. He wants us to relate to other people. And so I think he can use even, you know, people that are just, um, real and natural, maybe not super talented in any ways to, um, or maybe flawed or may not have, you know, the most articulate, um, oratory skills, you know, like Moses obviously had a, had a stutter and he used him to go tell Pharaoh, you know, one of the most powerful kings in the world at the time, you know, to, to change his ways. And so I think God sometimes uses the, you know, least likely sources or the unimpressive, um, resources sometimes to do his work and that's so his power can shine more brightly through that and through them and I think it's important to make sure that we don't get too carried away with um the work or the the people because even in you know back in Moses time the Israelites got impatient with God and they started making a golden calf and they set up these this idol and it's like Moses was taking too long up there they didn't know if he was ever coming back down they needed spiritual direction they needed guidance they were looking you know for um, a new uh, impressive God to make and what did they do they made um, a golden calf and they started all you know donating their diamonds and their or not diamonds but maybe their gold and their jewelry and started to um, mold this into this this calf is object of worship and it's kind of like if you think um you know too much of some of these things that that you do or that you create or that these um um this work of art that you have or this um project that you have or these um things that you created you might you know eject god instead and so it's important to make sure that um, you don't get too um, impressed with with yourself or with others or with other people's work, but you know you always keep your eye on God and not forget um, who He is and what what He's doing, and not make God out of a spiritual leader or God out of people or God out of any leader or any or anyone or their work. You know, and while there's um, a lot of impressive things that man does a man can create a man um, can make and a lot of um, beauty in the world and um, beautiful things that um, hands can can fashion we gotta remember ultimately that we could be um, ejecting God by putting more weight on those things and making those more of an idol than um, ultimately um, what what God what God is doing in through those through you in those moments and oftentimes, you know, um, God sent the Israelites, you know, prophets and told them many times, you know, or warned them about what God was doing or to change their ways. And it was never a, an easy job being a prophet. They were always shunned and disliked and no one ever welcomed the prophet, right? Because they didn't want to hear what they had to say. And it was always a tough job. And people always grumbled at it change or what their message was or didn't want to believe um what God was telling them and so even when you know we don't want to do the right thing we know that God rewards us more than 
what our friends can or what the popular demand can or what, you know, if everyone went along with, you know, something just because it's a popular thing to do, you know, you might think there might be more benefit in going along with the crowd, but at the end, you know, God, um, God sees when you are the only one that stands up for right or you go along with what is right and good and you, um, choose that over any popularity or any, any group, dang, he rewards you more than any of that can ever reward you or any of that could ever give you. And I think, um, especially with science and technology today too, we can, uh, have some pretty, um, impressive and unique, um, creations and, and, and inventions and, you know, our world is just so, um, high tech anymore. It's amazing the stuff we can do with technology and to make sure that we don't, um, idolize that or get carried away with that too, because we could, um, you know, do things that we never could before with technology and we um, sometimes might get too involved in those things and um, to cut up with the advances that we have and the things that, you know, yes, they're going to just make our life maybe more easy, more um, at benefit to our life and make things um, run faster and smoother, but at the same time, you know, they do add more complications and they do add more problems and um, we got to be careful how we we use these things and, and um, they do take a more more time sometimes, so not to um, idolize even technology and some of the advancements that we have and you know, he made people with all kinds of different personalities and different um, characteristics and traits and personality traits and everyone's unique, you know, and some people are good at talking, some people are good at listening, some people are good at, you know, maybe math and some people are better at at English or science and so he gave everyone, you know, a different talent or a different thing that they're good at and, you know, some people might react more with, with um, emotions and some people might be more of a thinker and someone that processes stuff and someone that answers in a in mythological ways <laughs> I know like my husband he wants to solve the problem or like you know get to okay this is the problem and we do this this and this and this to solve it you know and sometimes it's kind of like you know as, as a female you are more like not just trying to get to the end result or like okay I'm not you know here to figure out the solution like I want you to emphasize emphasize with me or you know like you know enter in the emotion with me like okay I know this was the problem this is the solution but like no um this is like my emotional reaction to it you know like I want you to um be there for me in it and help me you know um encourage me maybe emotionally in it and things like that so I think you know some people might process things and handle things differently and, and I know um just within my own marriage you know sometimes you know I don't know if it's a male female thing but our own personality is just being different like my husband's more of a thinker and a doer and he's an IT man so he's into fixing things as we does all day long for a living you know like this is the problem and this is how we fix it and this is like you know the order and the code we write to fix it and so he's very methodological logical on how to um handle problems and 
you know, this is how we solve them. And I'm kind of maybe more of an emotional person where I'm like, you know, maybe you not let, let's just get to the way to solve it right away. But, you know, I bring my feelings into um, some of the problems and um, kind of um, more um, experience them in that way of of solving them maybe with, with emotions more than um, a quick fix solution. And so I think God designed everyone with different um, character traits and different personalities and different um, ways of um, handling things. And I think he did that, you know, just like all the parts of the body. We need all these parts to work together. And there's not, you know, one, you know, necessarily right way to handle all problems. And I think, um... Well, it is more fun with others, and we are made for relationship, and we made, we're made to live in community. We gotta make sure, like, um, we're not necessarily um, encouraging each other to go down the wrong path, but to make um, good, right choices, and to um, uphold your brother, or your sibling, or your relative, or someone if they um, fall, or you know, pick them up when they're down, and to um, make sure that um, we're there for them in a good way and not encouraging them to sin or encouraging them to do bad things or encouraging them to um maybe um get away with something that they shouldn't get away with and making sure that we are there for um good godly reasons and not maybe hindering someone's walk and so you know the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up, but pity the man who falls when there's no one there to help him up. And I think that's true that even when we labor together, you have a better reward when there's two of you working together than when there's one, right? Your your reward on your toil is going to be twice as much, if, if not more. And same with even, you know, like when he falls, you know, like that guy can get his back because he has another one to lean on. And so, you know, I think um, community is important in having this, um, this, this, um, bonds relationship with other people in these situations can help too but we gotta make sure we're encouraging to do the right things and not the wrong things and that we're not holding each other's backs to do um sinful things or wrong things but we're um doing right things because it can be more fun in a crowd to all you know do, do sin that we are being sinful situations that we probably wouldn't be in by ourselves or you know we encourage each other to get away with with wrong when you know we know if we were by ourselves we probably wouldn't do that ourselves so you know just making sure we do our community right too because it could be a, a good thing or um it could be a way to enter into sin or temptation that is unnecessary and um might um make it look like it's not as sinful as it is if everyone's doing it or might make you think that well they got away with that so so can I and you know we gotta make sure that we still are um upholding Christian values in these situations and you know knowing that we do all things before God who um sees and watches everything and everyone's exposed before him
Another thing I think too is just like Job, you know, in a day all of a sudden God hit him hard and he lost everything and he was a righteous man and he loved God and he was leaving, you know, living a good, godly, upright life and um, in a moment, you know, God tested him out of the blue. It's kind of like sometimes, you know, if you get falsely accused of something or someone, you know, you know, makes up a story about you or if, you know, someone um, tries to... Um, steal you or ruin your reputation steal from you or ruin your reputation or you know you get a bad phone call um all of a sudden from a doctor or from a nurse or you know there's a car accident like in a moment your whole life can can change and in a moment you know everything you thought was could be completely different and it's hard sometimes to trust god in those moments and it's hard sometimes to see god's bigger picture in those moments and sometimes you question it and you doubt and you you wonder like god you know you changed my life overnight with this big you know tragic event and how do I keep trusting you th- through all this you know it's not because like I was in sin or I obviously we all have sin but you know this wasn't a result of my sin and it's just like how do we handle these um tragic events sometimes in life and to trust God's bigger plan and those you know how do we trust God has a bigger plan so in those and it's hard sometimes to um put all our trust fully in those moments and to still you know, even Job questioned God at times, and God welcomed his questions in there, but, you know, just knowing that he still has purpose in, in the pain, and that he still can bring good from, from bad, and that he um, doesn't overlook those times sometimes that you feel um, alone in this um, this mess that had happened to you, and how do you keep <clears throat> trusting God and walking with God when it seems like nothing is is working out and wasn't anything you've done and this tragic event just happened to you you know like how you keep seeing God's goodness and keep seeing his hand in it and sometimes it's it's hard to um to do and sometimes it it takes like a lot of faith and sometimes you know you're wrestling with God and, and you're um wrestling with um your own heart in those moments to um keep seeing the bigger picture and keep trusting God having a bigger picture and that takes a lot of faith sometimes and it grows your faith and I know um, sometimes it's easier to have a a big pack behind you or to have like a group behind you or to have a a special club where you you know you might have like a special card to get in and being a part of this club makes you popular and being part of this club makes you seem cool and um being part of this club um might really um make you get in with the powerful popular crowd and it can even um maybe get you places that you can go by yourself but you know you got the special club card you know that can get you access to anything you want and you only get that special card if you have a good connection to the designer of the club or the owner of the club and so you know everyone wants to be in this club and everyone wants to get the special card and the you know be in this exclusive only member club that gives you the special card to say like hey I know the owner I know the designer I know you know architect of this club I'm with him aren't I cool it's kind of like a niche um market and this club that everyone wants to be in and has a lot of fanfare and gets you a lot of um makes you feel good you might have some power and some accolade and it might um really um make you feel like you're you're part of the team you're in and so I think um a lot of times when we have crowds and 
peer pressure to join into packets of groups of people that, you know, might, um, might not be doing godly things with that, um, and it might be for, um, selfish reasons, and it might, um, even, you know, set the wrong tone sometimes, it's kind of like, well, we gotta make sure that we don't just want in a club because it's a popular club to be in, and that you get, you know, member rights and, and exclusivity perks of being, you know, close to the owner, but, you know, make sure that we still know what God says and what God, um, tells us to do, um, in those moments, because I think, um, it can give us pride, and it can make us prideful, and it can make us feel like a powerhouse, and it can make us feel like we know all the right people at all the right times, and we're in this awesome, um, exclusive member-only club where, you know, when I flash my card, that lets everyone know that, hey, I know the owner. Hey, I'm with that designer. Hey, I'm with, you know, this cool person that started this organization. I'm, I'm part of the club. I'm part of the team. I'm part of the gang, you know? And I think sometimes if we put those things, um, ahead of, uh, what, you know, God's calling us to do and what might be godly in that situation, instead of just joining the fanfare, of this popular team or club, you know, like even a sports team, you know, they all have their logo. Green Bay Packers, you know, they all have the big G. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm part of the, I'm part of the, the Packers. I'm a Packer fan. I wear your, your shirts everywhere. I have your logos on everywhere. I'm part of the team. You know, I feel good. I have my own club. I fit in. We're all Packers. We high-five each other when we see each other, you know. And our big G logo kind of lets us all know that, hey, we're rooting for the same same team here. We're rooting for the same players here, we're all, you know, part of this exclusive team, and, and we know, like, everything about it, and so, I think sometimes we choose these things to make us feel important, and to make us feel powerful, and to give us pride, and sometimes, um, to gain size, and to make us feel like we have a team behind us, and to make us feel like we can, um, have this commonality together to unite over, and, um, I think, um, we gotta make sure we know, um, what God says about these things, is it a godly cause, or is it, um, you know, out of pride, and, um, maybe, um, selfish ambitions, or, you know, what's the tone of your club, what are you, what are you setting this up for, and so just knowing what you're partaking in, what you're endorsing, those things, and making sure, um, you know, they're godly, and not, um, something that he wouldn't want you to be a part of, and I know a lot of love us turn to a friend or to um a phone call or maybe to a, a book or to a little walk or a run or you know maybe a, a mindless show or something to deal with stress or pain or you know problems in life but God, you know, sent Christ to be our ultimate comfort and our ultimate comfort source, and the Holy Spirit is a great comfort in those times, and that's why he sent Christ to come in the flesh and to come to earth, is to be the ever-present comfort, to say, like, hey, 
I went through, everything that you went through, I went through, every temptation you faced, I went through every pain that you suffer, and I know what it's like. I'm not a guy that can't relate, and so I'm a great comforter in those times, and I can help you in those times, and I won't let you get wrecked by the by the sin of the world and by the problems of the world. Like There's nothing that you can't um, handle because I went before you and because um, I'm with you in it, and you, you know, sometimes people can't um, overcome circumstances or difficulties in life and, and you know a lot of times people might need help in those areas but Jesus says that you know I've overcome the world and his Holy Spirit empowers you to be able to handle suffering and to handle pain like Paul he went through so many um, painful things and sufferings and persecution is just to share the gospel and that was a commendation of his ministry. He said, "That's are you a Jew? So am I. And I'm that much more because look at all the sufferings I've experienced just to get the word of Christ out and get, get the gospel out and to um, to show that, like, I'm uh, I would, maybe not a better Christian, but he says that I'm a better Christian, not because his boast is in that, but because, you know, Christ helped him in those weaknesses and that he leaned on Christ in those weaknesses and his commendation of his ministry was like all these hardships that he endured and persecutions that he faced yet God you know stood by him God strengthened him and you know Christ was his ever-present help in the moment of weakness and he boasted all the more gladly of weaknesses because that's when Christ shined through the most and he didn't you know become arrogant or rely on his own upbringing or his own uh wisdom or his own faith or anything in those moments but you know he knew that Christ upheld him in all those areas and helped him get through all the trials of life without letting it overtake him or out getting without getting wrecked by them because it was just an ever-present help um that he had and it was a great comfort to him and he boasted in his weakness because that's when Christ you know met him that's when Christ comforted him that's when Christ said my grace is sufficient for you and, and it was, and he proved that, you know, and he showed that, like, he could do all things with Christ, and we don't know necessarily, um, he was obviously human, if he grumbled or not, you know, I'm sure he asked God three times, you know, to remove this thorn, and God's like, no, I won't remove it, my grace is sufficient, so we know, you know, he was in pain, he must have complained out to God many times about it, but, um, he accepted and aligned his will with the Lord's and accepted that okay God wants this to be here for me and he wants me to rely on him that's when his strength and his power can shine through the most in my weakness and he boasted all more gladly of that weakness because that's what you know glorified God the most in those moments and so I think a lot of times right now even in my own walk as um hardships come up and um pains and trials come up and persecutions come up it's like what do we do at times out of our humanity we yes we grumble and maybe we complain you know but God reminds us that like hey you know my grace is sufficient for you like hey I gave you enough grace today right now you know to meet you there like hey lean on me and I'm your strength and your ever-present power in these moments and in these weaknesses and like hey I'm glad you remembered to turn to me let me you know let me shift your world a little bit. Let me like shake your world a little bit so you remember that you need me still and that you call out to me still and that you, you know, remember your weakness without me because 
sometimes I think we can just by the side, you know, it's that much harder for someone that has um, a rich man to go to heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And why? Because we don't really see our need for God. We don't really see our need for leaning on him. We have everything we want. If we need comfort, we can buy it somewhere. If we need anything, we take care of it with money. And so we don't really understand our need for God sometimes because we have so many things right there at the tip of our fingers that our heart might become hardened to um, understand fully that we might need God in these moments of weakness and not um, always have the tools or resources or things available to help us um, get through it or fix it or solve it like that. And so, you know, he says it's, it's going to be harder for someone that, you know, is rich to understand their need for God and to understand fully how much they need to lean on him. And I think um, sometimes we can boast even and those weaknesses of maybe not having all that because we can trust him and um, his goodness and his comfort in those moments. And God wants a cheerful giver and God likes um, our hearts to um, just be mindful that he gives us everything we have and every good gift comes from him. And I think Sometimes, you know, if we accumulate too much stuff or get, you know, too many possessions, we forget that, you know, he's the one that gave them to us and he's the one that, you know, allowed us to um, make this much money or, you know, even have this um, talent to get that and things things to um, get get money, get riches, get possessions, get these things. And um, we got to remember that, you know, everything we own, even our piggy, piggy bank, you know, belongs to God, and we got to hold on to that um, with loose hands, and remember that, you know, he gave that to us, and he wants us to be good stewards of that, and what did he want us to do to be cheerful givers, and to give back, and to um, help other people with our contributions, and to be um, glad givers, and um, we know that in Bible, you know, in Chronicles it tells us that officials and people brought their contributions gladly, dropping them in the chest until it was full. The king Jehoda gave it to those that carried the work and required the that was required for the temple, and they hired carpenters and um, all kinds of masoners and people to restore the Lord's temple, and they did it glad gladly. And they they couldn't outgive God in that moment. You know, they couldn't give too much. They knew that um, they could never give um, more than what God had given them, I guess is what I should say. And they were um, excited to give to, to, to it, give back to him. And so, you know, obviously um, our churches might not be um, crumbling and have pillars that are crumbling and um, broken and falling apart like, you know, the temple. Yet God still wants us to give and to give gladly in the offerings. Um, for some of these um, administrative purposes. And so, you know, back then the people could actually um, see how the pillars of this church were um, destroyed by the Romans and just crumbled to pieces. And, and um, well, um, I guess it depends on what temple, but, you know, both temples were completely just, you know, ransacked and um, destroyed. And so... It was obvious. They seen the destruction. A lot of them um, couldn't believe it, and they mourned over just the state of their temple being crumbled to pieces. 
and so just being a joyful glad giver in those moments to be like God gave me everything I have everything I, I own is from you to begin with you are you know the giver of all good things and um, I can never out give what you've given to me everything I own my piggy bank itself belongs to you and to you know be a cheerful giver in those moments when he asks us to let go sometimes I think like every you know good uh good movie good show you know it seems like there's always this tension um in characters and uh, it seems like the bad guy the villain is always you know the guy that's winning and evil's always prevailing until the very end of the last minute you know the good guy finally um gets a break and, and wins and it seems like you know that's true in our world too the bad guys seem to always get ahead it's like sin always gets ahead and the you know evil in the world's always prevailing why not join in why not do wrong why not do evil it seems like you know bad guys always win the good guys finish last and sometimes I feel like my life is a movie and you know bad guys are always winning and evil's always prevailing why do good why be good but you know you just gotta remember like God looked on Noah with favor he was the only man righteous in his time you know favored by God because God saw him and, and knew that he you know had a heart for God and did what was right and so God notices these things and God you know pays attention to our heart attitudes and and even when we may seem like we're the only ones wanting to do good and the only ones that are, you know, maybe not joining in evil or doing something, you know, sinful. And God, you know, wants us to um, do all things before him first and foremost. And it's hard when everyone else is doing wrong and prevailing sometimes. And I feel discouraged when I see sin prevailing and evil prevailing and you're the only one, you know, trying to do what's right and lean on God and trusting in God and not everything else. And and you know evil still wins and the bad guy is the hero of the story until you know the very the very end it seems like and sometimes i feel like my life is that way where the villain is is winning and is painted out to be the good guy when you know it's through um sin and in evil ways that they're um they're getting out ahead so it's just hard to sometimes remember God's ways and God's principles and to trust him that he's going to come through because it seems like the bad guy always wins and doing evil and wrong and you know falsely accusing people and painting them out to be evil when it's really you it seems to be um a way to get ahead and a way to win and it seems to prevail when you got a powerhouse behind you and all kinds of things and it's kind of like why do what's right why you know wait on you God why trust you in these moments are you going to come through it's like it seems like evil prevails and you don't even notice. So I get discouraged a lot and you know, sometimes it's hard to trust God in those moments. You're like, I can trust in man and have, you know, set results. Why am I trusting in God? But you know, you're convicted of um of these truths sometimes that you trust him and so you immediately wait for him and wait for him and wait for him, even though the bad guy and the villains seem to always be winning. <laughs> and I know, um, in the Bible, in Numbers 24, 10 through 11, it says, Balak's anger burnt against Balaam, and he struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you blessed them three times. Now leave at once and go home. And I said I, would re- I said I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. 
And it's just a good reminder that um, there's a really bad king um, in the land of Moab. And um, they didn't like the Israelites and they didn't like um, God's people. And they were afraid um, that they would kind of um, muscle their way in and strengthen their way in and take over their land. And so Balak um, hired a prophet, Balaam, to help him. And um, the king offered a lot of money um, if he would just put a curse on these people. Put a curse on God's people and um, take care of that for me. And I'll give you all this money. But God had already determined to bless Israel. And Balaam knew it. And he had a really, really tough choice to make in that moment. You know, does he take this money and get rich? And, um, you know, put this curse on God's people? Or does he do the right thing and trust God? Now, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Do something right and trust God when you got a sure set weight. You can get rich real fast and got all kinds of money banking on it. Piggy banking on it. And you can, um, you know, just curse God's people and run off with the piggy bank and be free. Well, in this case, luckily, Balaam, you know, made the right choice and he didn't curse God's people and um, actually blessed them. And so, you know, it didn't work out and didn't prevail. But, you know, oftentimes we're stuck in these tempting situations where money is just dangling right in front of us and it sounds good to um, trust in our money and trust in our, you know, trust and trust in our piggy banks sometimes because they're secured and they're assured and they're um, a good way help to not need God and not trust God and do wrong and get away with it because it's backed and it's, you know, trusted and it's assured down and it's um, lucrative. And, you know, getting away with wrong seems so tempting in those times and it's hard to choose trusting God in those moments and it's hard to choose doing what's right and leaving the results to God. After all, you know, why... Well, I have any, you know, faith in it. <laughs> Use your own, you know, chariots and horses and money, you know, seems to um, answer everything. So sometimes it seems to um, always be a, a test of character, a test of faith, and um, a test of wrong and right. <laughs> Are you going to choose what's right, even when the offer is on the table and very um, great? And so we got to make sure that, you know, other people aren't pulling us away from God and know that, like, even though we might have a fan club or we might have a social club or, you know, um, you know, this, um, we're with him prominence, um, kind of social, uh, club card to get you out of trouble if you want, you know, like we know that choosing God's ways and choosing what's right is always going to pay off in the end and the way he rewards you will be exponentially greater in so many ways than that you know, money gained deceitfully or that, you know, um, doing wrong and that sin can ever offer you and just, you know, believing in that and trusting that and and acting on that is huge. So, you know, help us to to do the right thing, Lord, and help us when it seems hard to um, do what's right, to make the right choices and to honor you and to... um, know that I'm here to glorify you and honor you and not anyone or anything else in these moments. Amen.